should probably address the elephant in the room here. So, it's, it's a pink Bible. Uh, my wife said, we got to get the car into the shop. It needs some work, so get your Bible out of the car. And I said, it'll be fine. Men, they are much smarter than we are. That's true. It's true. So hopefully with the pink Bible and this beard I have, you guys can at least still take me seriously, take the message seriously. I made a deal with my daughter. I would grow this out so she could braid it. So I'm waiting for that moment. I had the Bazant kids actually said, You're, you look really Amish. I said, hey, go ahead, laugh now, but wait till you taste this butter I churned up. And they said, I had 28 kids, and they called me Amish. Kids. <laughs> yeah. And we don't have to worry about Amish people here in the podcast. They don't listen to technology. No, I'm just kidding. Hey, I was... Um, Honestly, yeah, and it was mentioned, but as I was sitting this morning and just kind of going through my message, I was thinking how really blessed this congregation is. I mean, I know we're looking for a, a new pastor, but the people that have been able to speak and fill the pulpit, and Pastor Joel and Terry, the younger, right, Jeff Hill, Phil, Ronsheimer, I mean, just amazing. That's not normal. Jeff Hill last week, I found out he was a published author. I couldn't write a children's book and have people take me seriously. Like, that blows my mind. So that's just cool, very cool. So anyway, it's Palm Sunday. Welcome, church, to beginning of Holy Week, or we call Passion Week, right? The Passion of Christ or the Suffering of Christ. It starts today, Palm Sunday. It's when Jesus rode in to town on his way into the holy city, right? And they had all these palm branches shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna. Comes in on a donkey. We've got, uh, let's see, Monday, Thursday coming up, which when I was young, I was like, pick one, right? <laughs> I didn't know how to spell it. Monday, Thursday, so it's the, the, the Last Supper. You see all those pictures that have been painted throughout the years of the Last Supper. That's Monday, Thursday. It's when we celebrate the Last Supper that Christ had with his disciples. Then we've got Good Friday, which I don't know why they call it good. It's horrible. The crucifixion of Christ. Good Friday. And then we wait. And then we wait as we reflect on what he went through for us. We wait with sadness. I mean, that's a tough time. But Easter is coming. Easter is coming. So this week is like, this is it. For Christians, this is our week, right? It's like the Super Bowl, March Madness, World Series, all crammed into one week. I didn't say soccer or NASCAR. Real sports, like real events, real cool. Hey, we're going to be in Matthew today. Matthew 21 is where we're going to start. It's the first book of the New Testament. If you can't find that, just go to Genesis and 39 books later, right? Matthew 21, that's where we're going to be. I'm going to pray. Jesus invites you here this morning. 
or that you're present. Be in these words, be in this message, Lord, this, just trust it's from you. Thank you for what you did on this Palm Sunday as you began this horrible journey. Thank you for what you've done for us. Help us to keep that in mind today as, as we go through this service. And uh, just pray this in your name. Amen. All right, Matthew 21, 1 through 10. Now, when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethpage, to the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied with a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord needs them, and he will send them at once. You know, these people that say, Jesus never claimed to be God. You just said, go, and if they give you a problem, you tell them, the Lord needs these donkeys. This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet, saying, say to the daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. You know, when Scripture says... Um, hey, look, this took place to fulfill what was said by the prophet, dot, dot, dot. That is basically God saying, look, the Old Testament was written 400 years, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years before Christ came. And he is saying, this was, this was done to fulfill that prophecy. Like, I told you so. That's what God's saying. It's like a cosmic mic drop. Boom! See? I told you it was going to happen, and it happened exactly the way the prophet said it was going to happen. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put, them on their, put them, their cloaks on them, and then he sat on them. The insanity of this. The insanity of the king of kings the creator of everything, riding a donkey into town. It's, it's Jesus. He's God. You'd think, big chariot, right? Gold, spinner rims, bow sound system, some vinyl graphics. Do it up. You're the king. He comes on a donkey you know, that's like the equivalent today of Jesus showing up in a Prius. <laughs> hey, you could do better than that, Jesus. Come on. I'm gonna, let me share a quick story with you because it's too funny not to share. Are the stoffers in here today? Let's see. Last week, I had this idea. On, it got, came to me on Sunday morning. I'm like, this is, this is going to be so epic. I'm going to ride a donkey into church just to, just to show the, the, the craziness of it. And I, I, it, we can make it work. It'll come up this ramp. I'll come right up here, and then I'll just start speaking. And uh, I went to Don. I said, hey, you, you got a donkey, don't you? And he goes, I have a half donkey. <laughs> now listen. <laughs> For mature people, that means nothing. For immature people like me, there are so many jokes. 
that you could use with that. Say, I can't do that, man. I'm not a half donkey. He says, go talk, to, go talk to Nancy. She can help you. So I went, talked to Nancy, and I said, hey, here's my deal. This is what I'm looking for. <laughs> oh, my gosh. She is so sweet and kind. She just sat there and was like, I, I'm hearing what you're saying. That, that's cool. She said, Tom, listen, can, can I ask you a question? Yeah, sure. She said, have you ever been around, like, um, larger animals? I said, yeah, I got a couple dogs, you know. She said, yeah, you know they're, they're stubborn, first and foremost donkeys. It's like stubborn like a mule, right? You know they're, they don't really like to do what you want them to do. They're not trained. This isn't a circus donkey. You know they poop and they pee when they want. She's like, and, 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 and not to mention people probably have allergies in the service. I was just like, oh, my gosh. I'm so dumb. It was such a sweet rebuke. It was like I saw Jesus in her in that, in that moment. I really did. Anyway, that was a funny story. Okay. Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went before him and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Now listen, there's crowds before him and there's crowds behind him. He's making his entry into the city. The crowds are huge. There's people everywhere and they're shouting. They're in a frenzy, right? Hosanna, everybody is shouting. But they're, they're shouting for Jesus because of what they think he can give them, not because of who they think Jesus is. They want something from him. They think he's come to fix the situation. They think that he's come to obliterate Rome's rule, right? Just get rid of the tax uh, issue they're having there and to take over his reign. It's going to begin right now. That's why they're cheering, because of what Jesus can give them, not because of who Jesus is. We still see that today. It's not hard to turn on your TV and listen to some stuff and just go, wow, man, the gospel is just being hijacked by people who want something, who want to worship because of what they want to get or what they hope they can get, not because of who he is. And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up, saying, who is this? Who is this? That's a great question, isn't it? Who is this? But the response, the response to that question has eternal consequences. Earlier in Matthew, Jesus is kind of prepping his disciples for what's about to come. He's, he's having a conversation with just them. They're hanging out, again, on his way to the city. Matthew 16, 13 and 15. It says, Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? 
And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. Why did Jesus ask that question? Why ask? Who cares? Who cares what what, what everybody else is saying? Why ask? He's setting them up for the for the, for the next question, right? For the question that matters, the only question that really matters. I do this sometimes with my kids. Like, you, you, to get them to engage in a conversation, you can ask them about a, any, you pick something in the news. Hey, what, 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 are, what are your classmates saying about this stuff? Oh, well, Dad, this, 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 this. Huh. What do you think about it? Because once they're engaged in conversation, now it's not just a short answer, right? They've got, to, they've got to elaborate. What do you think about that? He's setting up his disciples for the question that really matters. We didn't read this part, but in verse 11, back in, uh, um, later in the first, first scripture we looked at, The crowds answered that question when he came in. He said, you know, who is this? Who is this? And the crowds answered, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. So people are saying who Jesus is. People believe certain things about Jesus. We, we, we know throughout Scripture, people call Jesus all kinds of things, right? Give me some names of Jesus. Anyone. Prince of Peace, Savior, King of Kings, Lord of Lords, yeah, Cornerstone. All right, we can keep going. You guys are not that into it, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to call upon somebody who, who is and is going to do a better job of it than we will. This guy's name is S.M. Lockridge. I love this clip. I'm going to show you this clip. You've seen it a thousand times. I've seen it a thousand times. I will see it a thousand times more. It's awesome. S.M. Lockridge was a pastor in San Diego, California, 1953 to 1993. And he has one of the most awesome videos that I've ever heard. I love it. The S.M. in Lockridge stands for Shadrach Meshach. How, he had no choice but to be a pastor, <laughs> right? I'm your dentist, Shadrach Meshach. No, does not work like that. But he's got, a, he's got a really cool way of using the descriptive words of Jesus. So if we could cue that up.
Look, man, that is so powerful to me. Uh, I just love that. I love it. But here it is. At the, at the end of the day, those are someone else's words about Jesus. Someone else is saying that. All the descriptive words we have in Scripture, whether Christ calls himself that or others call Christ whatever those words are, descriptive phrases, those are someone else stating who that is. Verse 15, he said to them, but who do you say that I am? Who do you say that Jesus is? He's not just asking. On the surface, it's who do, who do you say that I am? But the depth of that question is, who do you say that I am? And do you believe that? Are you demonstrating that with your life? I was at a conference one time. Oh, all my heroes of the faith were there. It was the most awesome conference ever. And uh, two in particular were back-to-back on a couple topics. R.C. Sproul was one of the speakers, just such a great teacher. And he's talking about faith, and he puts a chair out on the stage, and he's talking about faith like it was the chair. Right? You've you got to kind of believe that that chair is there, and you've got to trust that when you sit in that chair, it's going to hold you, right? So he's using that illustration for faith. And it was great. He gets off. John Piper comes up, and he's got a totally different subject. But he drags that chair back over and puts it right back where it was. And he said, before I get to my subject, this. He said, it's not enough to know that that chair is there. It's not enough to to believe that if I sit in it, it's not going to crumble. But you've got to need that chair. If you guys like Piper, I I don't know. I like being yelled at by pastors. You can know that he is the bread of life, but you've got to need that chair. Bread, like it has to be our essence. You can know he is the cornerstone, but you've got to want that foundation. You have to need that anchor in your life. It's not enough to worship him on Sunday mornings. We need that fellowship, relationship with him every day. People call him Savior, but if you don't call him Savior, who do you say that I am, is what Jesus said. Jesus does not want the kind of relationship with you where everything is great, he is now your Lord and Savior, and you're thankful, and you praise him, and you love the worship set. And then tragedy strikes. And all of a sudden, you don't feel the same way. I know that 
Jesus plus nothing equals everything, right? I get that at the very base. Faith, belief in Jesus Christ, that's it. That's all that's necessary. It's all that he calls us to. In that faith with him, believe in me, right? John 3, 16, you all know that. For God so loved the world that he sent his what? That whosoever believes in him will not perish, but have. That's all you got to do is believe. I get that. I'm not trying to add stuff here. But I'm saying it's the same thing. Look, your, 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 your car speedometer has a zero on it, right? You don't just get into your car going 15 miles an hour. You get into your car at zero. It's a starting point. So for, for people who are not Christians, people not of the faith, there's got to be a starting point, an entry-level position, right? But as you progress in your relationship with Christ, we're moving. There has to be movement. The Spirit is not stagnant. It's not enough to know that people call him Savior. You've got to need that Savior. Jesus is not this like ornate vase that we put up on a mantle, and when company comes over, we pull it down, dust it off. Jesus is an everyday God. Every minute, every second God. Who do you say Jesus is? He's such a polarizing figure that when you come into contact with Christ, you either want nothing to do with him or you want everything to do with him. Do you want everything to do with him? Who do you say Jesus is? You can know every name for Jesus that there is. If it's not constantly regenerating your heart and mind, then it's time for reflection. I did reflect. I mean, I, one of the, I hate working on messages because it's, I'm always ripped up by it. Like God is like going, see, see, see? Jesus comes in on a donkey, and a lot of times I find myself prancing around on a stallion. I'm probably the only person in here, but why a donkey? Like, why, why come in on this donkey? Why put up, why tolerate these crowds that are chanting your name when you know just days later they're going to be shouting, crucify him? Why, what do you tolerate that for? Why go through all the torture? Why allow yourself to get nailed to a cross and put up there on a hill for everybody to see and mock, spit on you? Why do you do that? He had to. He had to. A very long, long time ago, God created everything. 
everything, except cats. <laughs> did, not, did not create cats. Now listen. <laughs> oh boy. God created it all. And he put humanity right in the center of it. And he said, this is yours. Like, this is perfect. Enjoy. And they did for a bit until God laid down a a rule and said, don't eat from this, this tree, right? And we did. People blame Adam. People blame Eve. Listen, we all ate that apple. All of us. Sin entered the world because of our disobedience. And from that point forward, death and destruction. And the, 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 the world the way you see it, and why everybody always asks, why is there so much evil in the world? Everything gets its root from that. That one event ushered in sin into the world, and that is why we have struggles. That's why we sin. We're sinful by nature. Right? When's the last time you had to teach your baby to say yes? It's always no, no, no. Didn't have to teach us to say no. Sin entered the world. And because our God is a just God, a price had to be paid for that. Yes, he's a loving God. Of course he's loving. You know what the most loving thing he's done is given you the chance to choose giving you the freedom to say, I'll follow you or I'm not going to follow you. How loving is that? Sin entered the world. It had to be paid for. The problem is you and I can't do it. You and I can't pay for it. It requires a perfect sacrifice. Is anyone in here capable? I'm not. It requires a perfect sacrifice. Enter Christmas morning. Jesus comes down. He's born as a baby. Spends his whole life sinless. His entire life on this earth, sinless. He's the only one that can pay that price. He had to go to the cross. He had to get on that donkey. Jesus does not go through with that. You and I are doomed. Doomed. There is no hope. This life is going to be as good as it gets because what comes after, no one wants a part of. He had to go, and so he did. He hung on that cross and he died so that everyone had an option to follow him and spend an eternity in heaven. We all have a choice to make, but who do you say that Jesus is? It's not just biblical either. I'm going to read something to you. This Jesus in the Bible, yes, we know exactly who he is and who he claims to be, Outside of the Bible, there is so much evidence for who Christ is, it's mind-blowing. But let me read just, just something. This guy, Josephus, he was a, a Jewish historian. In 93, he penned something, history of the, uh, of Jewish, um, history of the Jewish people. 
Just listen to what he said about Jesus. He is not a friend of Christians. He's Jewish. But listen to how he writes about Christ. He says, About this time there lived Jesus, a wise man, if indeed one ought to call him a man. For he was one who performed surprising deeds and was a teacher of such people as accept the truth gladly. He won over many Jews and many of the Greeks. He was the Messiah. This is a Jewish man writing this. He was the Messiah. And when upon the accusation of the principal men among us, Pilate had condemned him to a cross, those who had first come to love him did not cease. He appeared to them, spending a third day restored to life, for the prophets of God had foretold these things, and a thousand other marvels about him. And the tribe of the Christians, so called after him, has still to this day not disappeared. When you examine the life like the person of Christ, you can really, there's like three conclusions you can take away from it. He's either a liar, right? He's either a liar, he's a madman, like a lunatic, or he's Lord. Is it possible that he's a liar? I guess. It doesn't explain the miracles that he performed in front of thousands. Explains none of that. He called himself God. Is he a liar? Who do you say Jesus is? He could have been a lunatic. He's a madman. I mean, he did say some really crazy stuff. He said some really crazy stuff. But of all the, like, lunatics, I love watching shows about, I'm I'm not normal, but I love watching shows about people with just how their minds work and things like that. Crazy people, you typically don't find them to be sinless, right? Like, they've got stuff going on that, it's like, man, there's some, there's some activity up there that we should study. He was sinless. He was sinless. In John 8, 46, Jesus is standing in front of um, his enemies. <laughs> and he said, listen, you tell me where I've sinned. This is his enemies. He said, you point out to me where I've sinned. Do it. Not a word. Now listen, if I stood here and said, if you can point out a sin of mine, go right ahead. Look, my wife and kids would push their way through the enemies (laughs) to make sure they got a word in. His own enemies couldn't find anything wrong with him. Or you can subscribe to the fact that he's Lord. All the evidence, all the biblical evidence, all the extra biblical evidence, it, it, it makes no sense to walk away from the fact that he is the Lord. The, the, the guards of the tomb, they were going to have their life ended if Jesus' body disappeared. And guess what? It disappeared. He's, the body has never been recovered. Do you think those, those, those Roman soldiers were 
playing a game with their own life? His body's gone. His own disciples, church history states pretty much all of them, died martyrs' deaths. Do you, do, do you put your life on the line for something that you don't believe? Like these men walked around with Jesus his whole ministry. They got to see miracle after miracle after miracle. And they're like, look, you're going to have to kill me if you want me to renounce Christ. I will die before I say he's not God. I, I don't know where you're at on this. I mean, I, liar, lunatic, or Lord, I, I choose Lord. I mean, but that's, that's where I'm at. That's why I can say happy Palm Sunday, knowing that it's a horrible week, because in seven days... He is Lord. That's my belief. But I can't share that with you. I mean, you can't get my words and my faith and have it count. It's an individual thing. So I got, that's why Jesus said, okay, what are everybody saying about me? What are, what's everybody saying? Okay, now that that's out of the way, what do you say? Because this is what matters. That's the question that counts. And the response to it, it's eternal implications. Who do you say he is? We can share a lot of things. Like I, I, when you get married, what's mine is yours and what's yours is mine. Is that how it works? We share stuff. I don't say I have a house and then my kids are allowed to live there. What do we say? It's our house. Kids, do you have a house? All right, so you can start paying rent retroactively, birthday first. All right. It's our house. They didn't buy it. They did nothing to earn it. Share it. You can share a lot of things, but you can't share your faith with people. For as much as I want my kids to be in heaven with me someday, that's a decision they've got to make on their own. They have but you can't impart your faith to someone else. You can talk about it. You can give examples about how Christ has changed you because he certainly changed me and I certainly share that with people. But at the end of the day, Jesus is going to say, enough, Tom. I need to hear from him or her. Who do you say that I am? I'm going to have the worship team come back up. I'll as they come back up, I just I wanted them to play another song because I wanted you to think about it for a second. The question of who do you say that I am? One day we're all going to be horizontal, right? Taking the proverbial dirt nap, pushing up daisies, assuming room temperature, whatever you want to call it. Bible says, absent from the body, present with the Lord. That day comes when you die. We're going someplace. We're going to have a conversation with the creator of everything. 
And he's not going to just say, look, who do you say that I am? And allow us to just say, Jesus. He is. But that question carries so much more with it, right? Who do you say that I am? And have you believed that? Have you lived a life that demonstrates that? And if you have, come in. Let's go. It's going to be awesome. Heaven is going to be an amazing place when we get there. If we ever get off of our faces from worshiping him, it's going to be pretty cool to see. I'm really looking forward to it. Here's the truth. You don't need to do anything other than have a conversation with him. Lord, I hear all this. I believe that you're real, and I want that. I, I, I want to know more. I want a life with you. I, I want a relationship with you. You can do that. There's no special prayer. Like there, I, I can't teach you anything. I'm, I'm dumb when it comes to that stuff. It's just a conversation, just like I'd be talking to you. It's no more than having a conversation with the Lord. That's all it takes. It's all it takes. I want to share one other thing with you. This is a statistics. Um, I love statistics and numbers and stuff, but it's told that the, Jesus fulfilled somewhere between like 200 and 400 prophecies. It's m- m- staggering. On the low, let's just talk low end. Let's just say it's 200. Let's say it's 100. Jesus fulfilled 100 prophecies. That's 100. I told you so. It was going to happen just like this, and guess what it did? Inside the Bible, stuff we've dug up outside of Scripture that lines exactly up right with Scripture that says, yeah, that in fact happened. This time frame, this currency, this whatever, this is true. Statistically, If one person fulfilled eight prophecies, the odds of that are one in ten quadrillion. Don't think about it. You don't know how many zeros it is. It's a lot, man. That's a lot. If you went on to 47 prophecies, 47 prophecies is one no, excuse me, it's 10 to the 157th power. You can't, you, there's not enough zeros to talk about it, so you have to do it in power now. That's staggering. Jesus possibly fulfilled 400 prophecies. If he isn't God, I don't know who is. What are the odds of fulfilling all those prophecies? Jesus. That's it. Period. End of story. Over. He is Lord. He is Lord, and today is Palm Sunday. He's on his way to Jerusalem. He's going to be crucified this week, but Sunday. Sunday. Next week. Jesus. 
Easter's coming. And because I know you, I can rejoice in that, even in this week, knowing the things that you went through, just so I could be reconciled to the Father, Lord, that I, I don't have to be apart anymore. I am now able to enter the kingdom. You did that for me, for everybody. Lord, I, I believe that. I believe that, but I can't believe it for everybody. We're all going to answer that question, who do we say you are? Or my prayer is that we answer it sooner than later, that we answer it today, now. Lord, you are king, Lord of all. We, we just thank you so much for what you did for us this week. We're thankful for it all the time, but it just really comes into focus this week. Lord, reveal yourself to those who are far from you. Pull people close who are distant. Help us to run the race well. Give us what we need to be like you. And Lord, for those that are just not sure, that you would just Lord, in your way, you do something special for them. Make yourself so clear that there is no option but to learn more about you and to enter into a relationship with you, Lord, so that one day we are all there, all in your presence. What an awesome day that's going to be. Jesus, I just pray this all in your name. Amen.